Uh, but for right now, we're here to open up God's Word. And so I want to encourage you, if you brought your Bible, please open it. If you're at home, go grab your Bible and join together in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we are in chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was thinking about this this week. I will never forget the distinct peace that, that my wife Alyssa and I felt each time we brought an infant home to our home from the hospital. Now, anybody who's, who's been through this season of life knows that peace is short-lived because they come home and eat every few hours and cry in between. That was our experience, at least. But, but for all of our children, and at this moment we have four children in our home, each one of them came to our home after already been, having gone through some pretty distinct challenges and unique challenges to each one of them before they were ever even discharged from the hospital. We have two biological children and two children that have come into our home through foster care and uh, our two biological children they were born uh, the first one was born early um, several weeks early and so I had to spend about three weeks in the neonatal ICU he was intubated um, it was it was a really scary time there were several times we were driving up to the hospital to pick him up and we got calls from the nurse saying you can't pick him up yet he's not ready to come home um, and then our, our second biological child uh, was born with um, with a uh, a birth defect that required emergency abdominal surgery 17 hours after he was born. And so he was in the neonatal ICU for several weeks. And then through foster care, there's the obvious challenges that each child faces where they can't go home, right? And so our home became a safe place for them to be. And I was thinking about all four of, of, of the children that are with us at this moment and looking back, and there's a common thread through each of their experiences. And it was the peace that we felt when we crossed over the threshold of our front door and brought that child home in our arms. I mean, it was after all of this stress, right? All of this unknown, all of this fear that was going on, and we were finally home. And, and over the course of time between when uh, they were born and when we were able to bring them home, at least the part of it that we were a part of, it, it was just this going back and forth that got so stressful that that, that finally I remember Alyssa and I thinking to ourselves, can we just take them home? Like, can we just take this child home? Like, send us with, with, with medicine, send us with instruction, send us with whatever it is, if we can handle anything, if we could just get 
home. And I think about that. And I think about the season that we're living in right now. This, this season. And I, and I feel like we've got that same anticipation for the same kind of peace as we look ahead to Christmas, to the day that the baby Jesus came and, and, and crossed the threshold of the stable, coming from his heavenly home into the arms of Mary and Joseph. But we're not there yet, are we? It's not Christmas. We're not, we're not there yet. We're still waiting. And that's what this season is all about. It's the second Sunday in the season of the church we call Advent. It's the season where we wait in anticipation to receive the hope of Jesus into our hearts, into our homes, into our world. Now, normally, I, I would say if somebody asks me what your favorite season of the year is, I would not say Christmas. I know a lot of people do, but, but ever since really giving my life to Christ and taking seriously my faith, that shifted. And, and from that point forward, if you asked me before 2020 what my favorite season of the year was, it's Lent. It's the 40 days that lead us up to Easter, because Easter is the culmination of the, the gospel story, right? That, that this infant Jesus grows up to become a man and live the perfect life, to die the necessary death, and then to conquer sin and to conquer evil and to conquer injustice in this one foul, spectacular swoop as he rises again on Easter morning and we all pack the church and sing, Jesus Christ. You know the story, right? But that's not what this is. And this year, 2020, for the first time, I frankly, I mean, Easter was weird this year, right? Like it was a beautiful thing. We were able to worship online and all that stuff, but it was just different. And, and I could say that from early on, I could feel myself desiring a different season. And the season that I wanted to get to all year long was not even Christmas, but Advent. The season that we're living in right now. Because I feel like right now what we're going through together is giving all of us this new appreciation for what it might have felt like to wait for the hope of Jesus to come. Because see, we're Easter people, right? Like, like we, we live 2,000 years beyond the resurrection. We don't have any concept of what it must have been like to wait for Jesus to come that first time. But as Pastor Jake talked about last week, Advent isn't just about Jesus coming the first time, it's about him coming back. Did you know that? He's coming back. He's coming again. He promises to do this. And, and, and all of the stress and all of the fear and all of the unknown that we feel in our world today, the, the more of that we feel, the more we look ahead, just like the people looked ahead to the coming of Jesus, just like I looked ahead and so did Alyssa to becoming a parent. We look ahead at this glorious day when the child comes back and this time takes us into his arms and carries us over the threshold of heaven. But let's not get ahead of ourselves because that time hasn't come yet, right? And what we learn today, and it's a difficult truth, but it's one that has certainly impacted me this week, is that that doesn't mean that the moment that we're in right now isn't still full of hope and anticipation. It's not that it isn't still full of hope and purpose. 
Just like everybody these days, you know, I, I don't know that I've met anybody that isn't looking forward to the ball dropping, right? Like, let's say goodbye to the year 2020. I would agree with that. But what we learn in our reading today is that there are things that we are called to do as people of faith while we wait. That's what this reading is all about. And so let's look at it again. The reading comes from the Gospel of Mark. Verse, verse, let's look at the couple, first couple of verses. Verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Now before we get any further, there is a fundamental truth in this passage. A fundamental truth that, that right here in the beginning will take us through the rest of the passage. But frankly, this will also take you and I through the rest of 2020. It'll carry us through the rest of this pandemic. It'll carry us through the rest of our lives. This is the truth. Read this with me. Preparation and waiting are part of the good news of Jesus. Let me read that to you again. Preparation and waiting are part of the good news of Jesus. Here, here's what I mean. The Gospel of Mark is written by a man named John Mark. It's actually the shortest of the four Gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. What that tells you is, is that only the most essential details to the author were included for him to be able to communicate the story and the hope of Jesus. And, and yet in his wisdom that is informed by the Holy Spirit, in verse 1, he begins his gospel account by saying, the beginning of the good news, look at verse 1 again, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Notice something. Mark calls the preparation and the waiting part of the good news. It's part of the good news. It's not like he's like, here, here's a footnote so that we can jump ahead to the story of Jesus. He includes it as a part of the story of Jesus. We don't rush through the story of John the Baptist so that we can get to the next part like a child rushes through their Christmas tradition so that they can open up their presents. What Mark is saying is that what God does to prepare the way for Jesus is part of the good news of Jesus himself. And I point that out because I don't know about you, but, but none of this is natural to me. None of this is natural to me. I shared on Thanksgiving Eve that, that when I grew up, we had a tradition where we opened up all of our presents, most of our presents, on Christmas Eve. I, I later learned that, that some people, anybody here do that? Anybody at home? Okay, some of you do. Okay, good. I, I, I had a bunch of friends. I grew up, and they all opened them on Christmas Day. I thought we were different, but, but that was our tradition. But before we did that, we had to go to church, and we had to eat dinner. And so, of course, we went to church, and we ate dinner really fast because we just wanted to get to the next parts. That was what it was. But see, God says that's not the case in the story of the way in which he prepares the world for Jesus. There is a purpose in this part of the story, and this part of the story is part of the good news. So what's the purpose? Verse 4 actually makes it super clear. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism 
of repentance. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So God could have done a lot of things here, right? He sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. And I think in my own finite brain that there's probably a thousand other ways that I would think about preparing the world for Jesus that are different from the way that God does through John the Baptist. Like for starters, if God wanted to really prepare the way for Jesus, he could have just made sure there was one extra room open in the inn that night, right? Like if he was going to prepare the world for Jesus, that would have made sense. Maybe it would have made sense to make sure that Mary and Joseph were properly married before Mary was with child, right? Like that would have made things a little less complicated. But that's not how God did it. And maybe if he was going to use John, he could have done it in a different way, a way that maybe I would think about, like, like if, if people are going to experience the miracles of Jesus, then maybe John should have been given some supernatural ability to do some lesser miracles, right? Like if Jesus is going to walk on water, maybe John should have walked on a pond first, right? Like that would have prepared the world for him. Like if Jesus was going to give a sermon on a mount, maybe, maybe John could have given one on a molehill just to kind of prepare the world for what was to come. See, see, in God's defense, and, and God doesn't need any defending just for the record, but, but the warm-up act for the main attraction is usually not designed to be as good as the main event, right? Like if you go to a concert and the band that opens is better than the headliner, that's usually a problem. They design it not to be that way. But what we see in the story of Mark is that John is not the warm-up act. He's not the warm-up act. He is, he is a thread weaved into the story, the good news about Jesus. He is a part of the good news that Jesus came to bring. And it begins not like any of the ways that I would think it should begin, but he comes like a sidewalk prophet holding up a sign that says, Repent! Jesus is near! And that doesn't sound like part of a good news story, does it? If you don't agree with me, what, what did you do the last time you ran into somebody, maybe in the city, who's holding up a sign that says that? What did you do? <laughs> you started walking the other way, right? <laughs> right? That doesn't sound like good news, but it is. It is. And it is because it tells us that we can do something right now while we wait. While we wait for Christmas. While we wait for 2020 to be far behind us. While we wait for Jesus to come back again. It's good news. And it's such good news that look at how the people in the region were impacted. Look at how they, 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 they responded. Verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was not like Elkhorn. This is thousands and thousands and thousands of people. They all went out to John in the wilderness. They made the pilgrimage, confessing their sin. They were so drawn to this part of the message and the story that they went. They confessed their sin. They were baptized by John in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. Now, what does this mean? Well, first of all, this is traditional garb for a prophet, but it also tells you they were not coming out to see his outfit, right? This was not the attraction. He ate locusts and honey, simple foods. And this was his message. This was the good news John shared. After me comes one more powerful than I, 
the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The moment of waiting and preparation is good because you know that while you wait and prepare, good is near. But if you know that good is near, you've got you to make a way for that to come. You've got to make room for that goodness to become a part of your life. I, I, think, I think it was Rick Warren who, who wrote in The Purpose Driven Life that there's, there's really only two things, if you break it down, there's only two things that we can only do on earth that we will not be able to do in heaven. There's two things. The first one is sin. You're not going to be able to sin in heaven. That's just not going to be a part of the equation for us at all, and that is a good thing. But the second thing that we're not going to be able to do is we're not going to be able to tell people about Jesus because they're already going to know because they're with him and he is with them. And so that part's good news. And that's what Advent is all about. It's about telling the world about Jesus. And the way we tell the world about Jesus is repenting because Jesus is near. And, and if you think about this, it works at, at a universal level because every biblical truth that you learn, if you look at other places in life, it'll make sense there too because God has designed life to work this way. So, so just think, for example, if you're one of those people that can't wait for 2020 to be behind you, if you cannot wait to cross over into the year 2021, ask yourself the question, what do I need to let go of in 2020? What do I need to leave behind in 2020 so that I am fully prepared to embrace whatever hope I have for this new year? What do I need to let go of? Is there anger? Is there expectations you had in January that have not been met this year? Have you misplaced hope or trust? Let it go. Let it go. Because that is what repentance is all about. Repentance is to turn away. John's message was to repent from sin because in order to prepare to follow Jesus, we need to let go of all of the other things that we follow instead. Repent. I remember um, of all the children that we've taken care of, we've had six children who've been in our homes uh, over, or in our home over the last 11 years, uh, four right now. Um, but of all of that chaos, I would say that the first child was the most difficult. Bringing home our first son was the most difficult. Now, I might bug him and say it's because he's difficult. He's 11 now, so I can joke like that. But that's not really what it is. I was talking to my sister, Lindsay, and her husband, Stephen. They just three months ago welcomed into their family a new little one, their second son. His name is Jack Thomas. And uh, we were talking over Thanksgiving, and we both agreed... That, that the second child is far easier than the first child. And it wasn't because their second son is any easier of a baby than their first son is. In some ways, he's not. It's because this time around, they're actually prepared for it. 
they've actually made room for the child. And I've shared this before, but my wife Alyssa and I, we felt the same way. When we got married, um, we, we had this plan that we were going to be married for five years before we were going to start having children. And by our first anniversary, our son was born. <laughs> so that's how life works. We were not prepared. And so it took us several months, but we ended up looking at each other and saying, you know what? Like, I feel a little guilty about saying this. I love this child more than anything I've loved in life. Like, all of that. But this is hard. And what we realized it was hard for was because we had not yet made room. And so it was just imposed on us. And it took us a season to be able to learn what it was like, what sacrifices we were going to have to make, the things that we were no longer going to be able to do, the way our plans were going to change. It took time for us to do that. Now, obviously, we wanted to. I look back and I go, there's nothing I could have accomplished in those five years that would have been worth more than what God led us into. We took more children in, right? Like, this has been a wonderful thing. But that first year was really hard. And my guess is that this past year for all of us has probably been hard in similar ways that that first year was for us as a parent, right? Weren't we unprepared this year? Weren't we just caught a little off guard? Weren't we just a little stressed? Didn't we enter into this season with far too little time to prepare and far too little room for the chaos that would ensue? The story of Christmas is that it's not too late. The story of Christmas is that God is willing to give us everything we need to take care of the chaos of the past and to prepare us for what's to come. But you got to let go of some things first. And my guess is that when I mentioned that a few minutes ago, every single one of us had a few things that came to mind, didn't we? I mean, as I was preparing for this message, I had all sorts of things that were coming to my mind. I'll just share with you some of them. There are people in my life that I have been harboring anger against for too long. Some of them don't even know I'm angry at them because I can't see them. And I need to let that go. I need to leave that behind. There's places and people and institutions and political leaders that, that I'll just admit I have put an unhealthy amount of hope and trust in this year. i got to let that go. I've taken for granted a lot of things that I thought for my whole life were more stable than they actually are. And I've talked to enough of you to know that, that you've probably done all that same stuff too, haven't you? We can all relate. Everybody has. doesn't matter if you're a Christian. We've all done it. That's why thousands came out to Jerusalem, came out from Jerusalem to the water. That's why droves of people came to this weird man wearing camel's hair and eating bugs dipped in honey because preparation and waiting are part of the good news of Jesus. Preparation and waiting are part of the good news of Jesus. And God will wait every last second to give you and I every opportunity to be prepared to receive the blessings he has to give as well. It's what 2 Peter 3 says. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. 
with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so let's, let's go back. Let's go back to the real reason for this season that leads us to Christmas, this season of waiting and anticipation. Let us come before the Lord and repent. And I'd like to lead us in a prayer right now that we might come before God and do just that. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, help us to repent. As we sit in your silent presence, God, would you bring to the surface of our hearts and our minds the things that we need to let go of. The brokenness that leads us to this false assumption that we are somehow above the waiting, the preparation. I know I don't like it as much as anybody else, but but I look at what happened Immediately following this passage in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus, you yourself went to the river. You were baptized by John. And it sounds crazy, right? It sounds crazy. I mean, even John said, I'm not even worthy to to untie your shoe. But that's what you did because you were not above this. You're not above the waiting. And what we learn is after that baptism, you would then go and be prepared by going into the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus, you were tempted by Satan. You were hungry. You were exhausted. You were beaten down by the evil around you. And we can relate to that today, can't we? And so God, help us to see Help us to see that you have good purpose in difficult times of waiting. That you have purposes that that we could not possibly see in the finite understanding of our own eyes and hearts and minds right now, but you want to use this season to prepare us for what's to come. For our own lives, Lord, yes, I believe this is deeply personal. But God, I also believe that 2020 has been a preparation for all of us for what we see, knowing that you will return. You are preparing us for when you come back. And I don't pray that as a doomsday world is coming to an end declaration. This is good news. Just like the time of waiting is good news, how good it will be when you return and you throw away evil and sickness and death. Sin, as far as the east is from the west forever. That's the hope of Christmas. And that's the hope that is to come. But may we receive it now And may that journey begin by us letting go of whatever it is 
that we have been holding on to instead. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.